You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, everyone. You know, we've had a, a lot of things going on in our country this here lately, and so the opening prayers, I'd like to break down again like I did last time I prayed. And we're going to pray for grace and peace to come upon us. We're going to pray it the way that, a little differently. We're going to ask that, Lord, may your unmerited, unearned power of your will move in our lives, move in our communities, and move in our country. That this grace is your expression of love and compassion for all of us. And that may your power of peace, the peace which is the power to destroy chaos, fear, discord, be broken and cast aside. This power that would stop a storm, may we have that power move in us, that we move to a place of solitude, safety, and serenity. We ask this in the name of our Lord, our King of Kings, our sovereign leader, the one that's got all of this in his hands when we feel like it's not, it's out of control, we say, Sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ the Messiah. Amen. I was asking the question, what does Christian love really look like? And this is coming out of conviction and self-examination, not because I think I've attained it. I look at this and I say, how is it that Christian love is so much different than any other type? What breaks it apart? And does it actually? Do we see it in our churches? When, if you walk into another church, do you feel like you've been in a different place other than an Applebee's? Just the music's better. I mean... Some of us, I think, really have a lack of understanding of what this means to be to love as a Christian loves. And I think a few of us do have an understanding, but pull back because it's, it's just too high a place to try to live in. And so we step away from it. I think it's time we examine it a little bit. Because in the Bible, love is such a... It, it is the dominant thing. And there are two... Greek words for love that are well there's more more than two Greek words but in the Bible primarily there are two Greek words and they are phileo sometimes it's also philos and that's referred to as brotherly love that's how people interact with love it's good love but it it falls short it tends to be a little bit self-directed it also is not unconditional. But it's still a good love. That's where we get friendship. That's where we get some of these things. And that's why, because it's not a perfect love, we have misunderstandings, we have conflicts within that type of love. That, what did you mean by that? And we always are kind of in a struggle in that love. Makes for great movies, but it's not really a great life. It causes a lot of drama. The other type, obviously, is agapeo, or agape, depending on how it's used. That's, in the Bible, that's, they always give it some oddball, kind of esoteric, 
It's God love. That's perfect love. It's hard to get a handle on that. I want to know what that, that love looks like. I want something with clarity. I don't need something deep. You know, whenever time someone says that's really deep, that means they don't understand what they meant. So, what, what I look at, for me, the best definition was written by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's very commonly called the, the love chapter. But when we look at this, it says, love is. Now we know what, and that word is agape, is. Patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, when you look at this, Paul man, you, if, someone, if anyone ever asks if the Bible's inspired, read that one. We've got eight definitions of love is. We have eight, uh-uh, love's not that. He really corrals this in. And when we look at that, love's patient, kind, rejoicing with truth, always protecting. You look at each of those. And as you look at that, how is our love connection, now I'm talking about with God. How is our love connection on each single one of those measure up? I find that I have a lot of them where it's not quite what I was hoping. I'm sure it's not what he was hoping. I mean, I start right off with, love is patient. God, am I patient? Need an answer in three seconds. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> you know, I, that's, I, I, I'm, I get impatient. Do you notice that almost every one of the failings in our love definition is me? I'm impatient because you're, on, you're supposed to be on my schedule, on my time, it's all about me, don't you know that? You know, why does, what am I envious of? Because someone else, who, I'm supposed to be your best friend, How, that kind of stuff. What do you mean by that? I, it's always about me. I very rarely ever see a, a case where love is distorted where I haven't been the one doing the distorting. I'm the one who's warping the mirror and twisting it. So, I sit there and I go, is this love even attainable? Is it, is it even possible? Can, can we even do, do it? I like to look at what the Bible says, and more importantly, what Jesus says for that topic, because should I, do, I, do I have to really, or should I expect to love at that level? The honest response for most of us is we try to get close. We do our best. We, we're just human. That's not what Jesus says. He has a couple of examples, John 13 and also John 15. In John 13, it says, A new command I give you, love, agape, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love 
one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Four times. Agape. Four times. And he goes, he takes it really a stretch further. Remember the old one was, love your brother as you love yourself. He's saying, no, 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 no. Divine love. Love like I love. And that's the only way anyone will know you're my disciple. That kind of scared me. I thought, well, what about charity? You know, give a little money here. No. It's love like I love. Then a little bit later on in the same book, you go to John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now look at the, that relationship. The Father, how much does the Father, how much does God the Father love His Son? I love you. God love like Jesus loves. Oh yeah, right. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, in you, and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is my command, love each other. Eight, love each other. Throws in two joys just because he's God. That's a standard that's really, really incredible and I'm sitting there going that's impossible can't be done no one can love like that but that's the command God's not going to give us a command without it being possible he does have a solution and his solution is also in chapter 15 it's verses 4 and 5. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I must be fully attached to Jesus. Jesus must be first. Jesus must be second. Jesus must be third. I've got to call on the Holy Spirit to have a complete focus of my attachment with Jesus. Then anything's possible. One of my the most important ones that I think I, when I look at, by the way, remember we, I've mentioned it before. This is, take time and read chapter 17. Chapter 17, Jesus starts by praying for himself. Then he prays for the apostles. Then he prays for us. This is when he's still in the upper room about to leave. Right after that, he does leave the upper room and starts heading for Gethsemane. In the section where he prays for us, which is verses 20, I'm going to do verse 20 through 23 and then just add on to it 26. My prayer is not for them alone. Now he's referring to the apostles in that. My prayer is not for them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. May be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the wor world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you, have, you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. I in them and you in me. Get that connection. That's a powerful, powerful statement. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Verse 26. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. That's staggering. This is saying that the love of God be in him. He is then in us. He is just proclaiming the Trinity in us. That as we're, we, we're born again and the Holy Spirit enters us, so does the Father and so does the Son. All of that is in us. We have an indwelling of prayer of the absolute Trinity of God. I mean, an indwelling of love in the, in the Trinity of God. All of that's in us. When I say, where is that kind of love? Where is this Christian love? I don't have to look out to a distant star and say, God, if you're out there, or a cloud, or even down the street. I've got to look right here. The Trinity is right here. The entire love of creation is here. And I, I, don't, I, I don't walk in that enough because I don't feel like that. I, I, sometimes we get too much into this feeling stuff. You know, it's too easy for us to say, I'm just human. I'm just this. That is why Jesus came. The essence of why he came and why he sent the Holy Spirit is for this relationship to be just that, that the Holy Spirit enters us, the Father and the Son enter us, that we are in total and complete union on a love level with them. So that when our love for God is so complete, everywhere we go, our love is complete in every heart we touch. That's how we get to the Christian love agape love. It's, it's so powerful that we don't step into our own identity. Sometimes we, we, we miss it. And I'm probably the, as bad as anybody. Well, I'm probably worse than most of you. I want to go to a different spot in Corinthians, though. Uh, it's the same chapter 13. Let's go to the beginning of that chapter. It says there, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries of knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship or suffering, that I may boast, but I don't have love, I have nothing. Man, he just talked about an awful lot of stuff that I thought was Christian love. He's speaking in tongues, he's prophetic, wisdom in all things, powerful faith, charity and generous, self-sacrificing. I thought I was in there. He says I'm nothing. Jesus is saying, I'm not, I'm not measuring your works, I'm measuring your heart. Make your heart as big as it can be, and I'll, I'll put a, a tape measure around it and say, 
you're, you're a good and faithful servant. Because he's looking at our, how much of the agape love that dwells in us from the Father, from the Son, from the Holy Spirit is expressed in us. You know, we go, a lot of us are in the kingdom ministry and we're talking a lot about these things. Peter, when he, remember when I, last time I gave a message, I was talking about you have a gift and use it as a steward. The preceding verses are all about your love and the level of love you must have before because if your motive is anything but incredible love, all the gifts in the world mean nothing. Chances are you're giving the gifts to, to reflect on you, not the glory of God. So this is what Paul's talking about. Then he moves on and tells us what love is. I look at myself and I keep thinking, you know, I really changed a lot. I mean, you, you folks never saw the old Chuck, and you wouldn't like him. And to this day, I have no idea why my wife married me. No clue. And I think I really moved a long way. And God's telling me, you really haven't gone as far as I need you to. I kind of settled into mediocre plus and thought I did it, I'm doing okay. You know why? Because I'm measuring it against the world, not by God's standard. God's saying that your love trip is like from here to California. And I'm saying, yeah, God, look how far I've gone. He goes, yeah, you made it to Speedway. You haven't even left town. <laughs> and so I sit here and I, I go, how can I get beyond that? You know, I look at Peter. Peter, as a matter of fact, when G Jesus was given this message about love, love like I love, right before that he says, I'm going to go where you can't follow. I'm, I'm going to be leaving you. Peter's like this. Gives the whole dissertation about love. Gets finished with it, and Peter goes, but where are you going? He didn't listen to a word of it. He has, like, he has heard, you're leaving. Then he starts bragging, remember? No one, you know, he's gonna, he loves, loves God more than anybody, all the whole thing. Well, the famous, famous scene where he gets finished fishing and Jesus is at the shore after the resurrection. And Peter really is nervous. He's really upset. He has failed miserably. He thinks he's no longer qualified even to be a friend of Jesus. So Jesus says, come over here. And he, they finished eating and Jesus says to, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he uses the word agape. And he's pointing to the other apostles. Peter says, Lord, yes, Lord, you know I, phileo, you. Brotherly love. Doesn't say, yes, I, agapeo, love. So Jesus again says, feed my lambs. And Simon, do you love me? Divine love. God love. Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I brotherly love you. Phileo. Then he says, take care of my sheep. The third time, he says, Simon, son of John, do you, Phileo, brotherly love me? Now, Peter gets upset. He's like, 
do, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I, phileo, brotherly love you. What's Peter going through? Peter's like, no, I don't love you that much. I can't love you that much. I just walked, I just know what you went through. I saw you get arrested. I saw or heard that they were punching you. They jammed a, a, like a wreath of, of thorns and called it a crown and put it on your head. You were beaten with a whip. Then you were crucified without a peep. I don't love that much. But he was desperate, desperately needed to hear Jesus say, we're friends. We're still buds. We're okay. Because he really needed to hear this. He needed Because he was seeking that intimacy, even though it's flawed. He was seeking to serve, even though it was incomplete. And he was opening his heart, but just as far as he could do it. And he needed to be friends, because Jesus said, now that you're friends, you're partners. He wanted to be partners again. But the most he could come up with is for Leo. How many of us have had that same, I have, have had that same conversation with God, and we look at it and we go, I can't love that much. I don't think I have it in me. And I forget, I've got the Trinity in me. I don't have one part of the God, I've got all of God. And it's really that perspective that we got to look at. That's where I constantly start looking at the world, and I look what the world's doing around me, and I allow these circumstances to adjust my levels instead of allowing the Holy Spirit that dwells in me to establish my norm. And so I look at Peter, what he writes in Second Peter. Actually, you saw this last week. Um, now, something happened. That was the end of the book of John. That wasn't the end of Peter. Peter moved on, and about two months later, Peter was born again in the Holy Spirit. Peter gets it now. Look at Peter writes. It's a little bit of a long passage, but let's look at what he writes here in, in uh, Peter one, Second Peter chapter one. Starts right off with his divine power. Where does that power come from? Because Jesus promised, when I leave, I will give you power. The Holy Spirit gave him power. So he's talking about that power has given us everything, not most of, everything that we need for a godly life. Now, actually, it's kind of, you can translate it a different way too, for life and godliness. Through our knowledge, our experience, we've been with him, who called us by his glory and goodness. We've got the divine power in us through the Holy Spirit. That Jesus says, I'm going to send him with power. And he says, you've got that. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Because God keeps his promises. That through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Let's just pause there for a second. Can you get your head around this one? Participate in the divine nature. Doesn't mean you observe the divine nature. So you're not in the stands watching the game. You're participating. 
It's not your old body being pushed around. No, it's not, not that. You have been born again. You have been reborn into the Holy Spirit. You have now acquired a divine nature. That when John talks of Jesus and calls him the word of life, the divine intelligence, the life, the zeo, the essence of life, the, the I am life, and that it becomes part of us. We now participate in the divine nature. That's us in God, God in us. The love of the Spirit, Holy Spirit in us, participating is such a different word than surrounded. It's not, I feel the covering. It's, I'm stepping into his presence. Jesus has stepped into my presence. It's a total different, there's an exchange here. It's a flowing in and out. It's God in us. It's divine nature. And notice it's past tense. We've escaped the corruption caused by evil desires. And he builds on it. And he builds on it. He says, for this reason, make every, make, to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection or brotherly love, and to mutual affection love. Keep it building. Build up on it. Build up on it. Build up on it. Reach the pinnacle to be in, to, for love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. How many of us, just as a general rule, I'm not looking for hands, think that our Christian life seems to be a little ineffective and a little unproductive? How many of us think, no, I'm just nailing it. Call me, call me Mother Teresa. Send the Nobel. Come on. It's the level of love that changes everything. That's what, when, when the non-Christian writers wrote in Roman history about the Christians, the overwhelming, consistent thing they talked about was how much these people loved each other. They couldn't get over it. That was not a society of love. Husbands didn't love wives, didn't even love their kids. The kids were sent off to some place and... They disown kids right and left. It was, this just staggered them. This concept didn't exist in the world. To us, this whole concept of saying love is so normal. The, the Romans didn't even have a word for it. They had to alliterate from, from the Greek. I mean, it's stunning to them how much this changed the world. Think about this. The Jews hated the Christians. Nero tried to wipe them out, but that love was what made it flourish. It didn't just survive, it flourished. Because the Trinity in each and every Christian flourishes. In him is, our joy is complete. I just, uh, I sit there and I, a new, a new I, I, I don't know why this came to me. Jesus is begging us to be the answer to his prayer. He's prayed this prayer that, that we would totally, 
totally walk in the knowledge that Jesus is in me, the Father is in me, the Holy Spirit is in me. He's, he's praying, Father, make that possible so that all that I'm doing here is worthwhile. You and I can be the answer, and most of us are the answer to Jesus' prayer. That's a, how many of us go around, I'm the answer to Jesus' prayer? We're not even the answer to our mom and dad's prayer half the time. <laughs> that's, that's really a fundamental, stunning thing. You know, I'm going to look real quick. Now, see, I, I always do this. I get, off, get a little bit off track. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You look at Galatians. And what does it say the fruit of the vine is? What is the fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Then we have forbearance, kindness, goodness. Those top three are good enough for me. Since we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So that my joy will be in you, Jesus says. That my love will be in you. And we bear it as fruit because if it's in you, it doesn't just sit in you. It bubbles out. It's got to. That's what Christian love sounds like. I think we really have to take time to be very intentional. The solution to this is, is it takes an intentional response to our call, calling. God has called us to him. Our response has to be intentional. You know, Pete, Paul says, take off the old coat and put on the new. He didn't say the old coat just melts and a new one comes on. He says, take it off, put on the new. We have to daily say, Jesus, how can I show your glory? We have to go to bed at night and say, Jesus, as I sleep, impress on me your glory. Impress on me how you want me to be. Impress on me everything. And then dream dreams. We've got a few young guys, see visions. <laughs> really, I mean, let the divine nature of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit move in us. And we move in them. Let them be the only examples of, of love in my life. I can't, I'm not going to trust other literature. I'm not going to trust poetry. I'm not going to trust movies. I'm going to trust only those three. That I won't live as the world lives, but as God lives. Father, we just thank you. We thank you not just for your love, but the power to love. We thank you that you have set us apart and that the way that we express our very, very difference from the world is love. And once we love, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers everything. And love activates the power of the Holy Spirit. Any of us that strive to make impact, help change lives for the glory of God, as our love increases, so do our gifts. And we just thank you, Jesus, for all these gifts.
I ask the Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, it's right there. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, come on all the fathers. The fathers, come on. Give, give your children the male image of love, of Christian love, so they'll never doubt that the Father loves them. We ask this, Father, good fathers. We ask you, Lord, that we become good sons. We respect and honor the Father, both earthly and heavenly, and that the love that we share is eternal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.